The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to Soulful Valley, the podcast for people who want to improve their quality of life through caring about their mental, emotional and spiritual well-being. I'm your host, Katie Carey, and I will be sharing wisdom and ideas from myself and some expert authors, coaches and energy healers that could be just what you need to hear to transform your life today. In today's episode, we welcome Simon Ben. Simon works with parents to help them to help their children be more confident, resilient and happy. He does this based on what he's learned working with 1,600 children. He also shows parents how to make their children bullyproof so that others can't upset them. He also works with adopters and adoptees, helping them with what comes up for them, because he was adopted himself. Hello and welcome to Soulful Valley, Simon. Hi, Katie. Hello. Good to be here. I love that you're a children's happiness expert. Yeah. I, I so wish that you were around when my children were young. They're all in their twenties now. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done with support from someone like you. <laughs> well, yeah, I could have done with me when I was little as well. You know, but but um, I, I I thought it was pretty cool actually. Um, so I used to call myself a children's happiness coach, but that makes everybody think that I just work with kids. And um, so I thought, oh, okay, well, what should I call myself now? All right, children's happiness expert. Okay, right. And then what I heard um, uh, from somebody secondhand uh, was, uh, oh, no, no, we, we um, actually, the, the mothers that I work with, Simon, they, they really don't like your uh, branding. I thought, oh, they don't like the color. They don't like the purple. Oh, right. They don't like the pink. All right. Okay. No, no, they really don't like the word children's happiness expert. Well, she didn't say it quite as straightforwardly as that because we're all, we all live in this middle-class world where nobody really tells each other what they're thinking, do they? Not to their face, anyway. Mm. And I thought, oh, God, children's happiness expert. That's actually holding me back. I'm, mums are thinking and dads are thinking that I am dissing them. They are taking it personally. They believe that, uh, yes, of course, my children, children, are you saying my kids aren't happy? I don't need a children's happiness expert. Are you saying I'm a bad mother? Are you saying my kids are unhappy? Oh, no, no, no. So, yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny one. Um, so I've dropped that, actually. I've dropped the children's happiness expert on the basis of, well, if mums think that I am somehow, think that I'm better than them, then they won't, um, they won't want to work with me. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I suppose it depends on on who who you are and how you perceive that, doesn't it? For me, that was that yeah. looked exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought it was pretty. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Too. I struggled. I struggled through parenting, as a lot of us do. And then I learned mindfulness, 
and then I became a much calmer person. I'm a different person now with my grandchildren than I was with my children. So I could have done with, I could have done with that a few years back, but it's okay. I forgive myself. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Try and get it right with the next generation. <laughs> like we can ever yeah. get it right. Like there's ever a wrong. <laughs> well, uh, we're already right, aren't we? Of course you know, we are. Um, uh, one of the things I love about this is, uh, you know, is, is the fact that we arrive on this planet right, don't we? Perfect. You know, beautiful. Uh, the, no, no, I, I keep on trying this. I keep on trying this joke in a slightly different way. So if you, if, even if you don't think it's funny, can you laugh with me? So, you know, no baby, right, has ever turned around and looked at their pampers on their, on their behind um, which they haven't filled up yet, and said, "Does my bum look big in this?" <laughs> no. She laughed. It was it was quite, it was a quiet laugh, but I could see it in her eyes. I'm in a I'm in a quite high vibration after what led up to this podcast. <laughs> cool. We were laughing when we start before we started, weren't we? So, yeah. yeah, you got me. You caught me. So we, you know, we don't we don't arrive. We don't arrive with these hangups. You know, uh, uh, you know, just to sticking for gender stereotypes for a minute, right? So I didn't look at my little um, uh, hospital band on my wrist, plastic, you know, with my name tag on it, um, which actually didn't say Simon Ben. It said uh, David Anthony Flower. I because I was a doctor, right? So I've had two names. Um, I didn't look at my little wrist, my little plastic wristband and say, oh, I wish that was a Rolex. You know, we don't, we, we don't, we, we don't, we're not born thinking that physical things are going to make us happy or that um, our size of our bums makes us sad. We're not, we don't, we, we, we arrive right. We arrive perfect. We just pick up the rubbish. We arrived on this planet perfect. And the, the crap that we've picked up it isn't us, you know. How how can it how can it be us? You know, look into look into your baby's eyes for the first time and you see that purity and that love. That that's who we are. Mm. Yeah. So what led to you doing this kind of work with children? Well, uh to put it bluntly, um business success didn't make me happy. Uh, and it didn't stop me worrying about failure. It took me a long time to get to somewhere like business success. Um, and I, and I, I, hit a big, I hit a big target um, and it didn't stop me worrying about the future. Um, and it was like a hollow victory. So uh, the easiest way that uh, I can express this is, you know, when you see somebody on telly and they've just, they've just won something, um, mm. like a gold medal or a football match or something like that, and they say, I don't think it's really... Um, um, I don't think it's really landed for me. You've heard them say that? I don't, I don't think it's sunk in yet. Mm. Yeah. People often say, I don't think it's sunk in yet. And what I think that they mean by that is that the victory isn't what they thought it was going to be. They thought that getting this gold medal, which they've been working on for the last four years, has been a hollow victory. And their expectations have not been met. Mm. Um, does that, yeah, that kind of make sense? Yeah. yeah. So that's how I was, right? That's how I was. So I went, so this was about 2008, I think. Um, so I went looking out, I went looking for what was going to make me 
happy and um uh so i got into some i got into some stuff and i learned some things and it you know it helped me enormously and one day i was chatting to my my coach and i just said to her, so it's about this time of year actually uh 2010 yeah 10 years ago i just blurted out it, it was just a new idea completely came to, to my head from from nowhere i don't know where it came um, oh. I just said, I want, I, I want your job. I want, I want to be a, I want to be a coach. I want to help others. And so I, I tried a couple of things and then which didn't work out. Um, which was good actually, because it, I, I'd always thought that failure kind of, I, th- I thought that failing made me a failure, mm. um, or would make me a failure. Uh, and, um, it, they didn't. So so that was good. <laughs> and that's the biggest thing that, that, that people think when they're going to try something new, isn't it? That they, they think oh, they're going to fail at it, so they don't bother. Yeah. But, but trying these things and the journey of trying these things actually expands you to, to the direction that you're meant to go in, I think. I feel. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, so I, I woke up in one morning in july 2013 with the idea of a kid's book and then and then that kind of the the i started writing the book mm. the book got to about ten thousand words um i had a writing coach i was all down that way and then um, and then i started sharing that with uh so i was going to go down a school's route um i started sharing that uh and the n- nobody had time to read the, the book to tell me whether they thought it was any good so i thought well if they don't read it, they won't use it. And if they won't use it, then it won't have any impact with the kids. Mm. So the book became a comic and then started doing activity sessions in, in schools. And, and I keep on going on. So, so how does, um, I noticed that you've, it says that you bully-proof children. How does that work? What does that entail? Um, well, can I ask you, because I always answer that question when I'm answered, when I get asked it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think it means? Well, you teach children how to deal with being bullied. All oh, right. I, okay. I, was that... bullied. I was bullied at school. I had one of my children bullied as well. I didn't have the perception then to deal with it, with it in the way that I would deal with that now either. Age doesn't often bring some wisdom, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you knew I... these things 20 years hopefully. ago. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully I'll get wiser. <laughs> I'm 53. I don't want to be a grumpy old man. <laughs> I'm happier um, than I've ever been. I'm happier with myself. And even though I've got, you know, if someone's looking out at, looking in at me, they would think that I would be miserable because I'm on my own and I'm disabled. And, but I'm actually quite happy. <laughs> it's quite nice to be happy instead of trying yeah, to, yeah. Trying to oh. meet everyone else's expectations and keep everybody else happy. I'm keeping myself happy. Are, are you? Are you guilty? Are you guilty about feeling happy in a world that? No, not anymore. Tell us to be sad. No, cool. I'm not. No, no. I, 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 I've chosen to look for the good in my life, and but this year I've, I've taken a completely different focus, and I've gone inwards, and I've, I've sort of been responsible for my own well-being and my own health more than I ever have been. So I feel happy. It doesn't. It's not about the rest of the world. It's about me. Yeah. And now I don't feel guilty well, about that anymore. No, that's that's good. I, 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 I'm glad to ask you that question. Um, the, hey, um, I'm glad to ask you that question because there's so much negative stuff, isn't there? Mm. 
And, um, you know, I, I met somebody the other week and they started wringing their hands and saying, well, how are you coping? And I was like, we've been coping with lockdown since March. Mm. What? There's nothing new. Nothing new here. Um, so back to your question then. Um, bullyproofing children. Bullyproofing. It's all wrapped in what you've just said. Mm. Okay. So do I help people, do I help kids deal with bullying? Um, and it's kind of a yes and a no. Let me take a step back. Huh? Yeah. So one of the workshops that I run is about how to make your dreams come true, how to be. So what do you need to do? How do you need to feel? How do you need to think? And, and, and who are you? you know, how do you need to be? So we'll go through that. Okay. In a, we'll go through that in a, in like a workshop setting, like a group coaching activity fund mm. workshop setting. Yeah. So this is, this is for eight, eight to 11 year old kids. Mm. Um, so it's about, con and it's fun. It's about positive pomegranates, confident coconuts, cheerful cherries, and having fun. That's what's about. Then we talk about ignoring people that can't make your dreams come true tell you that you can't make your dreams come true and it's about where your feelings really come from and from that it's a very short hop to making kids bullyproof because the kids realize and making them so what i mean what i mean by bullyproof bullyproofing kids is why no bully can make you feel sad and so it's about an insight it's about the the, the child seeing that for themselves and I guess and that's why you work with the parents as well, because you've got to alter the parents' perception around it as to be able to, for that to be delivered to the child. Yes. Because we often have like conflicting ideas as parents, don't we? You can have a, the mother and the father, but both would deal well, with it in opposite yes. ways. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we do. Um, and, uh, but it, it, we, we, we can't, whether you're a parent or not, my, me and my missus haven't got any. We've got two Labradors and two pigs. We've got no kids. Mm -hmm. So people say to me, well, what qualifies you to do what you do? I said, well, the fact I've worked through, with 1,600 kids and the fact that within, from the, right from the first sessions, a third of the kids would tell me that bullies couldn't upset them anymore after a 40-minute workshop. So those mm -hmm. are my qualifications. Those are my qualifications. And the kids, the kids do absorb information better than adults because we've got all of those old ideas, haven't we, sitting in, in our system? Yeah. That we yeah. think are the right things. And yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're like sponges, aren't they? They're, they're like sponges and they, they, suck up, they suck up the good and they suck up the bad. Mm. Uh, but they don't actually realise that uh, they can put a, like a, a waterproof covering on that sponge a breathable fabric a, a breathable fabric around that sponge and so a breathable fabric keeps the rain you know like on a cagoule it keeps the um uh, it keeps the rain out mm. but it lets the heat it keeps yeah it keeps the rain out but it, it lets the heat from the body out into the atmosphere so they realize that other kids can't upset them they realize that you know, feelings are an inside job. Yeah. But they learn that through experience. They, they experience that. So they don't get it, you know, intellectually or theoretically or academically. 
or in their head. They get it in their bones. They get it in their heart. They get it in their stomach. Which is, is where it's most important, isn't it? Because it's your feelings that attract all of this stuff to us, the way we feel. Um, I don't know about I, I don't know about the attracting stuff the way we feel. I'm not I'm not I don't I, I don't know whether that's true or I don't know whether that's true or not. What I do know is that feelings always over feelings only other feelings only ever come from thoughts. Some of those thoughts obviously you know they're subconscious because we've got seventy thousand of them in, in a day. And I also know that we can't share with somebody else something that we don't have already. We can't teach something that we don't know ourselves which is why i work with parents because i help them get this stuff in their bones and once they've got their stuff in their bones once they've seen this stuff for themselves they're in a better position to point it out to their kids yeah so ask yourself is this for me What signs should a parent look out for to know whether they need someone like you to help them? Um, well, I don't know whether anybody needs needs me or not. I mean, well, they're gonna, they, they must be searching to find you in the first place, mustn't they? So, so they must be in a position where they feel that they need well, someone yeah, to I help mean, them. But perhaps, yeah, maybe. Um, you know, d different people. I'm, I'm a big believer. I'm actually a big believer in uh, you know um, getting our defence in first. You know, I'm a believer in, I, I hesitate to use the word, but I'll just say it anyway, um, immunise. I, I, I'm a fan of actually being proactive. We immunise our kids against, um, we're going to immunise people against um, COVID, aren't we? Mm. We, we immunise our kids against certain diseases, um, but we don't actually immunise them against mental health disease. Um, yeah. We don't build resilience. We wait until the situation gets really bad and then we do something about it. It seems mm. to be something about the way that we, the, the way we, that we are culturally. So I'm, I'm a big fan of proactivity uh, rather than reactivity. Um, but how do I, so how does somebody know if they don't, if they, they need some help? Well, if they can't fix it themselves, really, I guess. So if the child is, you know, lost their mojo, um, lacking a bit of confidence, the self-esteem's dropped, they're a little bit unhappy and um, and you want to do something about it, then then you need to, you need to do something about it, whether that's from me or, you know, you've got, people have got lots of different options um, in terms of what they, uh, what they do, but they need to, they, this sounds a bit grandiose, uh, but they need to be the change that they want to see in the world. Yeah. Um, that that's something that that, uh, that that Gandhi said. You know, that's, but, to... yeah, that's that's somewhere I come from as well. That's how how I felt for a few years. What impact would you like your work to make in the world? Oh, I'd, I'd like it to change the world. And I, I get, but I've been very hung up on that actually, because in my in my old job, in my old business, we had a I had a, a publishing business, and um, we had huge impact. Um, um, by huge impacts. Uh, so our biggest project was uh, was, was a few years ago, uh, a lot of years ago now, nineties. We we produced five million copies of Roald Dahl's Guide to Railway Safety and distributed them free of charge to all the schools in the UK to um, to stop kids getting killed on railway lines in mm -hmm. some holidays. So I'm used to really huge 
impact. Um, you know, websites with millions of people visiting them every month. Mm. And uh, that's what I would like for my my own work. But I keep on beating myself up about that. <laughs> so I, I've, I've changed a little, I've changed tack a little bit. I just want to do a little bit more each day, you know, um, mm. and because uh, you're going to change the kid, you only change the world one family at a time, you know, one yeah. parent at a time. And one person listening has the power to change the whole of the community around them. So yeah, we need, we need more leaders, don't we? We don't need more followers. Yeah. Or leaders. Yeah. So definitely. What suggestions could you make for any parent who's struggling with their child or children right now, particularly with what's going on with COVID and that we're in lockdown again? Give yourself a break. You know, uh, beating ourselves up it seems to be a bit of a natural and uh, a national pastime. Mm. Um, I'm really, really good at it. I'm world class. I'm world class at beating myself up. Um, and until I kind of like I don't so um I, I would just I, I'd say you know stop people got already got enough on their plate they've got they've got enough on their plate um part of being a change in the world is just being a bit kinder be a bit kinder to yourself you know you were talking about um self-love before mm. and knowing that uh, you're enough is you know whatever you are doing right now the whole world is in this together really aren't we so whatever you are doing right now is, is enough yeah. enough as long as you are being kind well yeah but then then people are going to beat themselves up about not being kind on themselves aren't they no, as long as they're not <laughs> abusing as long as they're not abusing anybody <laughs> as long as they're not abusing anybody yeah um you know enough yeah well there's enough and, and yeah it, it, enough I, I heard that about this time last year and i thought yeah you know we're, we are enough and you know enough as in enough i've had enough of i've had enough of this or we're enough as in we are enough mm. we are enough but maybe that's downplaying it a little bit you know we don't we wouldn't we wouldn't say to a kid oh you're enough are you you're enough. You know? no my grandchildren i'm telling them they're absolutely adorable and beautiful and because yeah, yeah. they are <laughs> they are yeah yeah and that's who we are as well yeah uh, so my favourite metaphor is, and it's not one of mine, is the metaphor of the diamond. We see that we see the brilliance in our um, in our kids. We, you know, we look into the baby's eyes and we look into the child's eyes and we and we see that love and we see that perfection and the um, uh, we don't need the Rolex or the small bum. <laughs> Um, we see the perfection in the diamond and we see the brilliance in that. And then we go through life and um, we pick up manure um, from the world around us. I, I often use a different word to manure. Um, and we start to think and we, we, think up, we, think, we, think up, we, we pick up manure thought and we, and we go through manure and we think that manure is us. But, we, but it isn't us because um, we're the diamond. We're just being, that diamond's just been hidden by a bit of manure. So, uh, and the diamond isn't enough. The diamond's bloody brilliant. So are we, are we, you know, am I, am I playing small by saying, you know, I'm enough. And then we're into all sorts of British cultural stuff about modesty, and tall daffodil and all that sort of stuff. But, mm. you know, I, I don't, I don't see this, I don't see this as big headed because I think we're all diamonds. Yeah. 
it's this time, time we start, started to realise that and bring our children up to feel like. Yeah. And, but the, here's the thing, right? If we can't see that for ourselves, we can't point it out to our kids. Yeah, our kids, and that... know. kids know. They've got an inner, they've got a, they've got an, a radar. They've mm. got a detection radar. Yeah. So, that, and, and, and also, so if, if we're struggling um, with the way we feel about ourselves, they see that. Mm. And also, they, so if we, don't, if, if we don't see it for ourselves, we can't point it out for our kids. And also, they need to see it for themselves as well. Um, and I, so this is one of my little lines, actually. because the, So the diamond wasn't mine, but um, I came up with a great line about this time last year, chatting to a, um, a friend of my wife's. I said, there's no such thing as a second-hand epiphany. You know, there's no such thing as a, like a hand-me-down insight. You can't get a, a nearly new um, epiphanette, which is like a small epiphany. We have to see things for ourselves. We have to see things for ourselves. So the kids have to see for things. Have to see things for themselves. So telling a child um, doesn't work. No. In any, it, well, no, it, it works if you shout at you're shouting at them and you, we're just trying to keep them safe because they're about to run over. Get you know run over. You know, so I was a kid. You know, when I was a kid, I got knocked down by a car. Um, and mum wasn't with me, but if she had been with me, she would have shouted at me to stop, mm. you know, so that's, you know, that sometimes this, this stuff works, but te- you know, there's an old phrase, an old saying in, um, uh, in, in selling that's, uh, you know, selling, telling isn't selling. What we say to people doesn't matter. It's what they hear. Yeah. What, yeah. So they need to see it. I'm laboring the point a bit perhaps. They need to see it for themselves. So no, I understand to... that because sometimes with things that I've been teaching, some people are, are not even in a place where they can hear you. They can't. They can't even. No. They can't even take it. Take, they just can't hear you at all. No, so, no, so there's there's no. there's other ways that you need to find to get the messages through, isn't there? Yeah, and need to uh, as as a mentor of myself, you need to you need to push on the open push on the open doors so yesterday i put a post on so i'm i'm narrowing my focus to kind of like adoptees and adopted families um uh, yeah. because because uh, a lot of my not good enough feeling came from that and so i put almost a message on a facebook group uh, for adoptees and it said you know what's helped you come to terms with being adopted uh and a lot of the answers said um nothing they just they said nothing nothing mm. i um well they couldn't see the diamond yeah. they thought they were the manure you know and they're not they're what another friend of mine calls underground daffodils they're not ready for it mm. they're not ready for it they can't see the they can't see the light no because they're underground um so it, it, however much we say to them have you seen the sunshine? Well, they can't see it. No. Imagine trying to explain the sunshine to a blind person. They can't. No. They can't see it. They can't understand it. They can't experience it for them, for themselves. They're not. They're just not in. They're not capable of doing it. Some people are still incapable because they're underground and they're they're in that. And and and, and so am I. This is not. This is who I am as well. Mm. Um, or where I am. Sometimes it's not our fault if we can't see stuff. No. 
to share a bit more about the adoption personal story it started I, I was adopted when I was five weeks old and I was told young I was told very young I was told so young that I don't even remember being told and uh, I but I know that I was told and I know that I'm pretty sure that I was told by um, with the aid of a, a book so there was a storybook about a couple that adopted a child mm. and the and the run-up to that and that book was in my bookshelf as a kid. I don't know where it is now. So I was told. And I, I had an adopted sister as well, a couple of years younger than me. She used to say things like, you know, have you ever thought about finding Earth Mother or whatever? And I said, no. And, and it didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, an issue for me. Uh, and then I found out, uh, at the age of 40, I found out that my teddy bear that I'd had for as you know, long as I could remember was actually a a gift from my birth mother. And I, and I felt at the time, oh, that's interesting. Because they haven't told me that. Mm. Mum and dad haven't told me that. That's interesting. And literally, that's all I thought. That's interesting. Yeah, slightly curious. But that reaction um, changed very dramatically. I was talking to somebody about, about the story. And suddenly, this huge anger came up about it. Um, so nothing had changed. Nothing changed really other than the thought in my head. So um, that was really what set me. So a combination of the fact that my kind of business success hadn't made me happy and this stuff, that sent me in, that sent me in, in the direction of the kind of the, the journey, personal, mm. whatever you want to call it. It's, uh, it's an overused uh, word, isn't it? So a uh, cliched word. Um, so that's what sent me on it, uh, but that, that's when I, so I, I, I um, yeah, that, that's, been, that's been huge for me. That's been huge for me, what I've learned. Um, and, um, you know, we talk about our identity, for example, yeah. who we are. Well, I've had two names, so we can't be our name, can we? No, I've had three now, so two failed marriages. They weren't failures. I learned a lot from those. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've been three different people. You mean three Well, you, you haven't. Just, you, you're not I sort of have. Right? I sort of. No, no, but you do. You do. I don't know. Well. I've evolved. I'm yeah. a different person. I was a different person in each of those yeah, marriages yeah. and I'm a different person again now. Well, yeah. But our person, so our, pers our personalities evolve over time. Mm. Um, but we're not our personalities either. We're not our no. personalities. We're not our names. With that underneath all that, mm -hmm. we're all that, that diamond thing. And I don't know. Does that seem esoteric to you, Katie? Does that seem? Does that es Does that seem esoteric? Does that seem fanciful rubbish? I don't know. No, I'm I'm all all for esoteric anyway. So. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, that's really so that that's really the the the, the part of the adoption story. I don't know whether you want me to. You said that you wanted to help adoptees and adoptors with yeah with your so, some of your story. you know one of the so I I I I do for the last seven years I've been doing this kids happiness stuff and it's been fueled by the it was fueled by the my own learning has been fueled by the adoption so it was really 
that I'm looking to go in that direction because I learned a lot myself and I get this feeling from seeing what uh, adoptive parents say that they don't know what's going on for their adoptive kids. So I figured that my experience mm. um, and the learnings that I've, that I've, uh, the learnings that I've had and my, my way of empowering kids to be happy and confident, make their dreams come true, be resilient, mm. be bullyproof. I figured that if we put all that in together, that, mm. that, that's like something that, that would be helpful. Might help. Yeah. Might yeah. help some adoptive families. And, um, and the, there's quite a lot out there that says that adopted kids struggle. Um, so why not do something about it? Mm. Yeah, that sounds great. So ask yourself, is this for me? Give yourself some memories. Learn to trust your intuition now. Uh, finally, Simon, where can our listeners find you? Uh, Simon Ben with two N's. .co.uk is the best place to to, to find me. Um, and there's all my contact details on there. And there's loads of, loads of, lots of videos and links to, links to videos and articles. Because people have to be, you know, people have to be sure that, that somebody's genuine, really. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully your listeners will have heard that from what I've said, but who knows? You know, we can't, we have to be careful about who we listen to. There's all sorts of different perspectives on different issues, isn't there? I've been caught up in some of those myself. So, and then you've got the codependency model and the pro-dependency model, which are both oppose each other. So you end up stuck in the middle, not knowing which way to turn. So you do have to be careful because you can, you can take on all these different ideas and end up more confused than ever, can't you? And the situation gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Simplicity is, is, it's the answer. Simplicity yeah. is the answer. Yeah. For, Thank for you sure. for coming in today. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Soulful Valley podcast. I hope that you've heard something today that makes your life a little lighter. Our aim is to share love, light and wisdom and to raise consciousness and ease suffering. If you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe, rate and review and let others know about this podcast if you think they would benefit from listening to it. For a free EFT guide, or to join my Alignment Seekers free Facebook group, or to work with me one-to-one, you can find more information at Soulful Valley on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and you can email me at soulfulvalleypodcast at gmail.com. Bye for now.